brought to you by the Rugby Outlet Mall, equipping you for freedom and connection through rugby. Find out more at RugbyOutletMall.com. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team, and I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, look, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. If it's up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Timer Bailey, and this is the podcast where we talk with people about the opportunities that they've found, taken advantage of, and just have the opportunity to develop via rugby. Uh, we got a great guest, and uh, if you can tell, uh, I'm definitely not sitting at it from home. I'm actually in the airport in Orlando right now as I start to make my way back home uh, from visiting my family up in New Jersey. Uh, not going to lie, it's, it's been a nice trip, and uh, definitely is part of this end-of-the-year run. Mm, you know, we stay masked up out here. It is what it is, you know, unless I had some food in my mouth. Should, I wish I had some food. It probably would be better, but it's okay. It's not really important for it to be seen. But, yeah, see, we got that. <laughs> but we got a great guest with this one, man. I had the opportunity uh, with my friend and, and just a great chance to speak with uh, Tiffany Faye, uh former captain of the USA Women's Rugby National Team, uh, Women's Rugby World Cup captain, um, head coach, and uh, one of the, 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 what's the best way of putting it? One of the executive members of the Roots Rugby uh, Club and uh, Roots Rugby Touring Club. You know, we, we've gotten them through all. And this one was a particularly interesting one because it was the first time I had a chance to actually just do a live. You know, got to sit down and just do it. So I will say this, bear with some of the sound because some of the mic stuff was a little bit iffy. So, um, there might be a little buzzing in the background. I apologize for that. But for the most part, you know, this was, oh man, I had so much fun with this. And, you know, we just had a great setup, just a great conversation. And to be honest, this is the second time that we did an interview because the first time I did it was actually right before her birthday. And I happened to have lost that, that footage. So, uh, you know, it gave us the opportunity to do a remix. And I think we got it even bigger and better than before. So, I hope I can do more of these lives and uh, just, you know, as the pandemic lifts up, we can be able to connect with people more on a one-on-one because there's just a different element that goes along with that. And I, I definitely was enjoying it. And, um, but guys, I, I, I hope you guys had a great, you guys having a great December so far. You know, we're only two weeks away from, two weeks away from Christmas. And, uh, you know, the season's coming in fast, you know, so... I hope you guys are able to keep yourself set, um, and just in, regardless of the fact, you know, guys need to check out Rugby Outlet Mall, man. Like, uh, we got some stuff in there for you. 
Uh, you guys can use coupon code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X RUGBY, for 20% off any gift time rugby or HBCU rugby classic items. And you guys have a chance to be able to grab anything. We got our cups, we got toothbrushes, we got we got a memorabilia, we got a new book coming through, we got a spectator starter kit. Like we got some dope stuff coming through. Uh, and you guys can go ahead, grab yourselves one, and it's gonna be something to be able to take watch and enjoy. And then of course, look, you guys are about to sit with your family, you guys want an opportunity to show them, especially if they don't know rugby show them what rugby really has to offer you know go ahead and hit them with the singapore to tokyo anywhere we can documentary uh you can find it at redearthfilms.vhx.tv and you guys can get a solid two hours it's broken up into 20 minute episodes seven episodes a piece and you guys just will get to be able to see how much rugby impacts culture and just how far you can go with it and it, it's just so important such an amazing adventure us going from from through southeast asia all the way to the 2019 rugby world cup like this was an amazing adventure definitely one that i recommend that anybody should go see 17 dollars and you guys keep it and do whatever it is that you want with it and uh i really suggest that you guys uh, uh just have fun. This is great for the family. There's nobody who watches it that goes, you know what, I regret it. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, so, guys, take it out. And then, of course, guys, please don't forget to like us on Instagram, Go Rugby Podcast. And also, follow up and subscribe and follow on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash network. So, and you guys can find out even all the other interviews plus everything that we've been doing. Uh, prior to this, uh, just really get the catalog and be able to put it into a, a nice appreciation for those who are trying to start off in the game and trying to learn more. So, without further ado, because you know, there's not really too much I can do here, uh, and I just you know, just kind of sitting here for a while, man. I got like seven hours before my next flight, <laughs> yo. But you guys enjoyed this. This is Tiffany Faye, yo. Coach, mentor, speaker, one of my friends. Yeah, check it out. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to a really special version of Grow Rugby Podcast. We're doing something different because I get to finally be in the uh, same room with should we have a mask on no you know what we sprayed down everything so i yeah, feel like I'm everything's really sorry good. About that. we're good we're good we got tests all in sprayed and everything so we're good so we're not going to take any of your slander judgment even though you might not know when this was taped <laughs> in december <laughs> oh but i'm here with tiffany faye and her beautiful home and she is welcoming me in like the crazy person that i appreciate that she is <laughs> Yep, yep. We have a big brunch, so should great, be ready. Yo, she can cook. That throw down. I get see see I get why she her relationship tight right now that everybody was like he's like, who wants to not be able to have this access? You guys don't even see this. Like this place is beautiful. I'm just saying, I get this. I get this. <laughs> 
But Tip, man, I appreciate you allowing me to be here and uh, get to enjoy this nice game of Skipbo. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm really, really excited that you let me, you know, <laughs> play Skipbo because, I mean, it's. I learned this game on one of my USA tours. Really? Um, yep. And I was one of the things Skipbo, uh, Bananagrams, puzzling. Like those are some of the things that we did to just pass time, you know, and hang out and. Um, you know yourself, you know that cohesion is very important Thanks. And so I love that in between games, um, you know, you had your downtime But then there was also that team time and Skippo was yeah, one Skippo, of the best ones Skippo bonds together and I think I was even telling before It bonds until, you know, some person can get overly obsessed And just want to play Skippo every single time And then you're just like, bro, I, I, is there not another game? Like, can we, can we diversify our, our card gaming? Like, let's change it over to Uno. Nope, just skip. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was your friend, right? That was my friend, you know? <laughs> that was my friend. And the worst part was is because she lost so much. So you just get, at some point, you're just like, come on, like... Does she have, like, a fanny pack and it's just like, guess what, everyone? Skip! Oh! <laughs> no fanny pack, but designer purse. All right? Oh, man. <laughs> it was ready to go. Wow. <laughs> ready to go. What? I mean... It comes in handy. There'll be a time where you're like, oh, where is your skip for? She's like, you never let me bring it. This is but. true. This is true. <laughs> Honestly, whenever you suggested it, this is how I kind of felt. I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't realize how long it's been since I had been avoiding Skippo. <laughs> it's like, I didn't enjoy Skippo. I remember these times back in the day, these pre-COVID days. It was another world. Another world. Yeah. <laughs> Everything feels like it was a, a lifetime ago. But um, hey, thanks again for having me on the show. And um, yeah, when you said you were going to be with your family in Jersey for Thanksgiving, you know, we talked about potentially connecting um, if we could do so safely. So thank you for letting me spray you down with the Lysol. Hey, I was all, I, I was honored to yeah. be sprayed down. I was like, thank you for being this protectionist. Yeah, you know, we just, I mean, we are out there. We're still coaching and do what we can, but trying to be as safe as possible. Right. So, yeah. All right. It's your turn. You all right. Draw five. A draw five. All right. So, draw five and put... No, no. All right. Draw yeah. five. All right. Two. Four. All right. So... Yeah, we haven't had to multitask in a minute. I know, right? Like, I'm just... <laughs> this is what you're thinking. Yo, this podcast is going to be so many pauses in between. It's going to be so much thinking. Because we still want to win. Right? Wait, so do I put... Yeah, put it. It, it has to be incremental order, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. But you can have like four what up to four ones, right? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 You just build on that till twelve. Right. I remember wild card. Yeah. There you go. Okay. You can start. All right. And discard. <laughs> so discard one of yours here. Right. Uh, one of them. Oh. Yep. And you keep one in your hand, and then it's my turn. There right. 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 And that one always stays down. Hold on. I gotta remember which one I'm gonna use. Well, you can play it whenever. Right. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, you know, you, you talked about being part of this USA rugby team, and obviously you've had such a nice history that goes along with it. And look, I'm not even be because we're very transparent here. <laughs> we did this interview once before, and by my own fault, I lost it completely. And it was a great one. But Tiffany was happy because she was like, I get to redo this all over again. Yeah. I get to I, come with a hard answer. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I don't know if that was the universe helping me out with saying, no, you gotta do this interview again, but, um, yeah, do-overs, do-overs are great. <laughs> Those prayers getting answered, you know? <laughs> oh, so, you know, I, I guess it's always fun to go, like, kind of the beginning, because as it is, it's always an origin story, 
And uh, we're going to do your origin story again. <laughs> you know, and then where it all started from. Obviously, New Zealand is where your home base is. Mm-hmm. And uh, what got you from being just a New Zealander, living it up at home, to becoming this international rugby star, and I use the emphasis star, <laughs> that you became going up to 2017? Yeah, I mean, I would never have, you know, guessed or predicted this, but... Yeah, started in New Zealand, um, played touch rugby for church, you know, I think I I mentioned that uh, it was a summer thing, we would play other churches within our conference, um, play a game called Kirikiki, which is Samoan cricket. Nice. Yeah, um, and then we added volleyball and touch, so yeah, I started playing there, and it was a mixed game, and I think uh, my church were just, you know, they were always like, oh, it's a boys' game, but they saw, like, myself, I was scoring a lot of tries, and I was super competitive, <laughs> but I, I was just competitive anyway, I wanted to be the best at everything, I was the first ready, I'd come first in all my Sunday school classes, no. you know, like, so... <laughs> when the Holy Spirit allows you to be first, you must be first in all, yeah, I mean, do not allow these worldly things to limit you. <laughs> uh, it was crazy, but um, my high school team... My high school started a team, so I joined there, and I just loved it. My mum saw how much energy I got from it, and I was just so happy. And it made, I came home and did my chores, you know, because I was in a good mood. And so I think she, she saw early, like, the benefits of it all. And right. never was that parent that came to the games, but we just had an understanding that... You're playing. Yeah, she let me play. It wasn't a big deal that she didn't come. Like, I knew she was supporting the best way she could. Um... But it just became my thing, and then I was playing Union Saturdays, and then Rugby League on Sundays. Oh, nice. So you right. definitely, you set up your I, whole weekend around rugby life. Absolutely. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was, and then my mom's like, you know, take care of yourself. But then I got selected for the Samoan uh, Women's League team. Nice. So I played a test match for them in Samoa, you know, in front of my, my grandma, my aunties and uncles. Was that one of those that, like... Because we all know, like, there's a, one thing whenever you play in front, play the game, you have a good one feeling. You play in front of your parents, you have a different feeling. But when you get to play in front of, like, an extended family, and it's just... Especially if you don't see them on a day-to-week-to-week basis, or day-to-day, or even month-to-month. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And um, I forget that, you know, when you look at your mom, you would think all your siblings are similar. But my aunties and my grandma are way more into sports than she is. So they're, like, way more fans, you know. And, and even my grandma's, like, telling me to be strong. She's giving me tips on how to brace nice. my body. And I was just like... I never saw that side of my grandma because she was just my grandma for so long and uh, we just never built that relationship because I was so young when we lived in the islands with her. So it was cool to come back and wear the jersey and represent and um, play at Apia Park, which is where, you know, the Monsai Moor play a lot. So it was mm-hmm. a big deal that, you know, we got to play in those facilities in that stadium. Um, but yeah, just... Uh, it was a good feeling. Yeah. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was... You know, you give everything no matter what jersey you play, but when you're playing for, like, your actual roots and your culture, and right. everything around you is, like, just, like, uh, represents your upbringing. It's, it's next level, eh? So... I mean, it, it, it's, it digs deep. Like, you, you genuinely... The depth of whom you are becomes so much more revealed uh, when, you, when you have that. Because it's, just like, it's... Yeah, it, it feels much more... Like, it's larger... Yeah, like if I compare standing there with the with the USA, uh, you know, emblem, and the anthem as well. Like I cry every anthem. Nice. I couldn't sing the whole thing, 
and Hope Rogers next to me has a beautiful voice. Jordan, like I just listen to them. I let them. I just I sing as much as I can. But when you it let comes, the soul take it in. You're yeah. like, yo, my soul is singing with when, you. When it comes <laughs> to the higher bits, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to ruin it. But I, li- I listen to Jordan. I listen to Hope, and they have beautiful voices. But the anthem just like gets me. And with the American, it's more like the opportunities and like the odds for right. me to be in that position just hits me. You know, like. For, for an islander girl just raised in a small island in Auckland, New Zealand, to be here out of all the countries, the US, you know, it's like crazy. But the Samoan national anthem, you think of like your family and your ancestors and the struggle right. of them of like just <coughs> creating me and who I am and everything I'm proud of. So, like, it's just the pride is there equally, but just for very different reasons. I believe that, and that that makes all the perfect sense because it is it, it's it's. It's different. It's the same, but it's different. But it's one key point component is you get to represent something that's larger than just yourself. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> I can I can feel that. Like I feel that, like even even like the few times that I've had the chance to just play overseas, and it's not even playing for any national team or anything like that. But there is something that just goes to saying like, yo, I get to represent in a positive way something of myself. So it's like whether it's you're representing as an American or representing Nigerian or representing black or whatever it's you get to represent people who are not also there but they're also kind of in spirit there with you yes yeah yeah so you know um everyone who's shown you strength growing up you know like trying to live through them but then when you're coming through that process and you're standing there you're remembering all the players who have also like do anything to be in your position Facts. so you have to represent them and you have to like just make them proud and make them come on board going yep like they should be in that position you know they're representing us well because I, I feel like when you're competing for that role it's because you want to be uh you want to embody you want to represent but behave you know and it's a responsibility like right. i always think a lot of people that's, think once they get the jersey your job's done but it's like hell no that's when you, it begins just because you have everybody who's worn this jersey and everybody that's watching you yeah. being like yo that's our that's our guy that's yeah. our girl like that's my, my favorite quote on miracle my favorite moment is when he selects his team and then the te- the players that don't make the roster leave and he's like that's those, those are the like, you would rather be in their position because you guys are about to... I forget the line he says, yeah. but it's like, they're the ones who's got it easy. Because right? they don't... They no longer have to represent... There's no, str- there's no pressure on them. Yeah. yeah. You know, so... Yeah. It's... Oh, it's a... It's a... It's an adrenaline rush and just the feeling that... I don't know if I'll ever get that as a coach, but it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know? I feel very privileged that I've had it. Yeah. You know? So then... And, and to feel that and force you to be your best self i want everyone to have that feeling Facts. and whatever is in front of them right so and i think that's what drives me now as a coach <laughs> it's a distributing it's it's now sharing sharing the the opportunity yeah 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 i love that still your turn i <laughs> no i just can't oh you discarded it it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm out here trying to throw you under the bus all right i can only have five in my hand right yeah. So, you know, since then, you know, so whenever you got the chance to represent for uh, the, the for Rugby League with the Samoa team, mm-hmm. you know, like, what was what was that that process afterwards? You know, this is an opportunity, and, and were you able to expand on that while you were in New Zealand? Um, um, I mean, again, there weren't many opportunities for test matches, mm-hmm. you know, like... League's still a little bit like uh, rugby union in the U.S. It's 
it looks equal from a you know um, from the outside, right. but union is still much bigger. Naturally. You know? So there weren't many opportunities to play a test match while I was there, but we still played club and it grew the game because obviously it meant that some players were like, oh, what, if I play league, I can travel. Mm. And then some of them started thinking that, you know, to be in the rugby union pool, there's much, there's, there's way more. There's so much obstacles in between there. Exactly. And so are... league might be a, a shorter option or right. a much quicker. So um, it definitely, I think it planted a seed. But again, Without the people in place to make things happen for the athletes, you know, um, I think the opportunities there's not there weren't many opportunities after that. So I actually rugby league at the time also allows you to switch. So if you represented one cap and you stood down for like three years, mm-hmm. you, were, you were still eligible to play for another. Nice. So just before my move to New Zealand, I actually got selected for the New Zealand league team oh. for a roster. Sorry, yeah. for the wider squad. So I had an opportunity to go try out and potentially travel uh, but at that time I had already booked my one way ticket to New York oh. and I was like oh my god oh. do I play league for the black friends right. or the Kiwi friends who are like top level oh. and and there's a lot of transfer athletes there as well people who um, sorry double coded right so they play union and uh, league and well. league so it was just like the dream gig and it was yeah but I made a decision I got the opportunity and I had to turn it down I was like I'm sorry I already committed to moving <laughs> My whole life to New York <laughs> to see how what happens over there, um, but yeah, yeah. So 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 uh, you know I always like to ask like so what what was the deciding factor for New York? Why why did you end up coming out to uh, New York City? Uh, was it for rugby or for work? Um. Change the just change of environment. It was a change of scenery. Yeah. Uh, I knew growing up in New Zealand with a U.S. passport, I was like, I had to try it. Because <laughs> you were born, you're technically born in California. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I mean, I came here on holiday, and I went to dinner with a couple of uh, some Kiwis and and a few Aussies in New York, mm-hmm. and the whole conversation was about visas and how hard it is to get here and. And I'm sitting there, and then my mate's like, oh, yeah, this, this one here has a citizenship. <laughs> she's living in New Zealand. And it never crossed my mind. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, like I, can't, I can't go do something with it. But I yeah. guess, I- again, if it's not something that's in your immediate sight, like, there's no reason to. Like, there, you wouldn't be thinking about, like, okay, let me go use this U.S. passport. Because if you're going to... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so... Asking, you know, so you know, you're not thinking about using your visa at any point in time. Like it, it between like going to New Zealand, Samoa, it's not something that you're like, oh, I got this U.S. passport, let me use it. So of course, it's out of sight, out of mind kind of situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I came here for a Beyonce concert, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, Queen B bringing all the people. Oh my god, I'm a huge fan. She's like, I watched her four times that year. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my goodness. What? I mean, I do get it because I've I've only been to one uh, Beyonce concert, and I think that was in 2015. And I was like, "No, this is legitimately a good performance." And and for, for me, like whenever I'm watching them, I'm always looking at the because at the time I'm starting to try and develop my own events. So it's like, "All right, so how are they doing all this?" Like this, but I was like, "Yo, this is a really impressive like performance." It's, it's it creates the eye fully. 
I mean, she's super talented, <laughs> and she and she definitely puts on a production, right? right? Like, I think uh, she's one of the artists who, her and Lady Gaga coming to New Zealand, I think meant they were, they weren't going to make as much revenue because there was no stadium big enough to hold the amount of people that right would. to make the and they would still come because to them it was about the fans right yeah. and they would bring everything that's awesome yeah like the whole show so Beyonce was the reason why I came to New York saw her <laughs> at Barclay Center did a tour went up to Montreal did Florida did the whole East Coast well, by you myself really followed her no no no, no. I oh. saw her in New York and okay then, then I did went to okay okay yeah. so I was like. You really are a Queen Bee fan. No, I mean, I am, but not like <laughs> But not to that extent. No. Yeah. So then, yeah, and there was that trip here where I was like, I could, I think I could live in New York. Like, yeah. if I'm going to leave my family, I w- would want to go to somewhere that was going to challenge me at the other end of the spectrum. And I felt like this crush was very similar to New Zealand mm-hmm. in ways. And I was like, if I'm going to leave my family... Let me get something different here. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, that made the decision. So, went home, booked a one-way ticket for a year later, and it was... Uh, same time as the Women's World Cup in Paris, mm. 2016. Mm-hmm. No, no, 2014. 2014 yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so I did the whole World Cup Paris, stopped in New York, and all my friends went home. Right. Wait, it would have to be 2013. Because right? it was in 2013. Sorry, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's been so long. It's just I like know, a little like, kind of messy. <laughs> Beyonce hypnotized you out of your year. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I think that's all awesome. And, and you know, it, it, it's it's such a big maneuver. Not just, like, you, not just because it's just a move from New Zealand to, to the U.S., but it's you taking a one-way ticket. Like, you're making a solid set decision on, on just changing everything. Culture, landscape, and just really resetting everything across the board. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talks of New Zealand. They compared New York to Melbourne mm-hmm. and then to Wellington uh, and like the, mm-hmm. in terms of like metro and uh, diversity right so right. culturally I think that's what drew me the most right and the only scariest part was feeling lonely and, mm-hmm. and missing out on my sister was pregnant at the time so missing Aww. out on you know the birth of my niece um, but at that point too I'm like 31 so I'm like I understand that I can just go home right, right. and I'm also just wasn't afraid to fall flat on my face. I was like, <laughs> if I got off the plane, I could just walk into Starbucks and get a job, you know. And right. if it doesn't work out, I, I, I thought I'd give myself two years, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll go home. Is that kind of part of that that um, that outlook that you have, even whenever it came to gameplay? It's kind of just like, yo, look, f it, let's just try it out and see how it goes, and then. You know, it whatever really happens, is. happens. In a very sort of naive way, my approach is, you know, I'm a good person, my intentions are good, and I'm smart, yeah. you know, and um, I'm I'm strong, and what's the worst that could happen? Like, just don't get myself in stupid situations and play it by <laughs> ear. So, but yeah, that is my, my approach, is just... Uh, Go forward, see what happens, shoot, and adapt. <laughs> shoot for the stars, and if you just hit the moon, you're still a lot higher than everybody else kind uh, of situation. It was, yeah. There was so many pros to it, you know? Oh, nice. Coming in. We, we, we coming. You want to flip we that com- first? <laughs> right. True story. True story. Okay. Try not to be crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Once a coach, always a coach. <laughs> oh, but no, I think that's super awesome. Like you, you, you have that that mindset. Is that something that's just cultural of the New Zealand area, or is that something that you kind of resonated that you just grew and developed yourself, or is it family based, or the the idea of like, yo, I'm good. I'm I have I'm capable. I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm it's the self confidence. And the willingness to say, oh, and if I mess up, well, F it. I always got something to go back to. Is that is that something that was culturally based, or is that just you, or family, or what? I think a combination. So, because remember, Polynesians, and, and you know, and Māori are like very into whānau, right, family. So, yeah. even a lot of Samoan families, it's unheard of, especially for your oldest daughter, to leave. Your family, ah. unless it was like to get married, or unless it was something that you know was, you know, obvious yeah. elevation. Like, um, so in that aspect, no. <laughs> <laughs> but also culturally, we are in a way too raised that we are one in this world, mm-hmm. and you have family anywhere. And rugby did that. So rugby made me feel like anywhere I would go, as long as there was rugby, you would find a home. Right. Right. So. I knew there was rugby in New York. Um, it wasn't my initial uh, reason to come, but yeah, I think I was raised as an individual to think for myself, you know, look after whoever's around me, right? Um, my mom always said, no matter if it's strangers or not, like, don't talk to strangers, but <laughs> be kind to everyone, right? right. And, and she's super religious, mm-hmm. and she's always like, you know, what if it, what would Jesus do? Right. Thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, I I guess it was pretty fearless, but I I never felt scared. Nice. That's no, that's like that's legit, and there's there's a lot that you take from that because that's not something that people commonly have, and it's always something that people are trying to seek, especially when it comes to making moves. Like even in the U.S., like they say, what is it? Something like eighty percent of people, 85 percent of people don't move more than. Uh, 20 minutes away from where they live or more than 20 miles 20 miles right. more than 20 miles away from where they were born so when you and this is just the US and I can even assume for most countries outside of those who might traverse to you know maybe one of the more western industrialized UK US something mm. to that effect but for the most part people kind of stay where they are and it's a lot of it is that fear of the unknown yeah. And and so to be able to say that you were able to have that and that you have it based in these kind of pole systems like rugby and the already the, the cultural habit of a unified yeah. grouping like culturally, like that's that's an amazing place to be able to come out from. Yeah, and you know, it's in hindsight, like things just happen when they're meant to, right? Like right. I was in a position to do so. I don't right. have kids, right? I'm not I don't I wasn't in a relationship where I had to compromise and have a conversation and and talk about you know and there's other people that are impacted by my decisions right so all of that came into play that's real (laughs) people still won't make moves even when they have all that so it's still real so that's legit yeah so i'm so grateful that i made that decision and it just you know after doing that you're like just make every decision (laughs) so easy from there every decision The, only, the hardest decision right now in New York or when I moved was what to have for dinner because there's too many options. Oh, it's so stressful. <laughs> agony, agony, agony. But I'm in New Zealand. I went to New York, but I can't decide whether I'm having like 
burrito. <laughs> Do I want Italian? Am I going Mexican? Yeah. Yo, wait, we gonna go Ethiopian? We changing it up Seriously. right now. Seriously, <laughs> and then you turn a corner and you're like, oh, Jamaican. Yeah, yes. Like, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome. You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, like, what was that next step for how you ended up connecting with the rugby community here in New York? I actually got the email uh, for the VP for New York Rugby Club in the line in the bathroom in Paris at the World Cup. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even joking. We're standing in line, and, we're, you know, my mates are, like, asking me about New York. Are you ready? We're about to you're to stay. And someone just heard, and, you know, like, rugby, like, oh, yep. hey, you go to New York? Oh, here's an email. Oh, Nice. It's mental. Yeah, and I was like, thanks. <laughs> Random, but all right, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I had the email on me, but I didn't use it till, you know, when the World Cup was done by August. Mm. I was back here. I think uh, the Commonwealth Games were happening at the same time. And I remember going to the pubs going, wait, you don't have rugby? You don't have the Commonwealth Games? I was like, where am I? And I forget. You guys don't do shipping and rugby? Like... Who are you people? It was, sailing! Duh! It was, and there was little things like that where I was like, whoa, I am not in New Zealand anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it was those little moments. I was like, how? Okay. So, um, it was really hard to make friends. And mm. then I finally emailed Adria. I said, hey, look, just moved here. Adria is who? Adria Orr was the email address that nice. I got. She was the VP for New York Women at the time. Nice. And like... And she happens to be the only one on the team who spent time in Samoa, too. So she's like, you're Samoan, bro. You know. So, um, yeah, she tells me that they're down at Pier 40 and I rock up. And immediately they're looking at me like, and then I open my mouth and I'm like, oh, God, like the pressure to perform now. Right. It's like, Everybody knows this is in your blood. You're like, going to do this. They're like, she's brown, she's big. And then she like opens her mouth. Like, oh, yeah, she's going to be mean. And I have not played in like a minute. And I was like, oh, man, now I'm going to have to bust out my best moves on my first practice just to make an impression. Um, but I was too, like, I couldn't keep up. It's like, it's a fast game here. Yeah. Right? It's like, I remember thinking, yo, we rock way more than we need to. <laughs> just keep the ball alive. What are you guys doing? Why are we stopping? What are we doing here? Right? Yeah. I'm tired. Think of my body. It, it reminds me of like, I think there's this, uh, this pressure I didn't realize in New Zealand to like offload. Yeah. Like, yo, like I remember we would walk back to our mate that did an unnecessary rock and go, yo, why didn't you let the ball go? <laughs> You know, because even though we may have scored... But it's a continuous play that doesn't need to we're like, we want to play smart and not harder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was my first impression. I I rocked up. It was like 9pm, cold turf, Will Snape. (laughs) A beam of light, like solid (laughs) ass handshake. I was like, yeah, after some rugby, he was like, well, you found it. And I was like, oh, nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and immediately you make... 50 friends. Yeah. Where do you live? Where are you working? You need a place to stay. And I was like, whoa. That's so dope. cool. That, the network kicks in almost immediately. Straight away. And I'll never forget that. And I think that's why, like, going to New York, you know, season two, they, they nominated me as captain. And oh, I've yeah. never been in a system like that before where they nominate you. Because usually it's just appointed. Yeah. In yeah. New Zealand, the... the coach chooses yeah because the coaches over there are very observant in terms of like character right they they they, they, their fitness is to see who can handle and who can communicate while under pressure 
who picks up their mates. It's it's not always to see who who's the fastest. So it, there's right. to really look at, you know, to who's the get. one, yeah, and who's the one picking up the one next to them, right? Who's the one doing that extra rep for the team? So when they nominated us, I was like, oh. I don't know if I trust this system. It seems like a popular thing now. Like, of course, I, like in my accent, I knew it was a hit straight away. And I was like, guys, like, um, but yeah, I accepted the nomination, and uh, they voted me captain. And I was like, oh man, this is taking a turn. Right. It's like I, I didn't see this go. This I didn't, I didn't see this turn. coming. This. No. And then they're like, oh, the USA coach wants to, you know, would like to, for you to come to this next oh, camp. You said all the impressions early. It was, yeah. So I showed up to James Madison and I was like, everyone has abs here. <laughs> like, have you seen that? Like, you've seen our teams in New Zealand. We're just, the skills are there, right? But it's, the fitness is not at the same level. Right. Like, it's getting. But it, 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 it's, it's running fitness, it's game fitness, but it's not like aesthetic. No. The same level of aesthetic fitness that yeah. goes with so if someone rocked up to New like to a practice in New Zealand and they're like Jack, we're like oh wow, like don't want to tackle that one, you know. Um, so I remember being whew, really intimidated, and then we were we were just doing normal catch pass, and I was like oh okay, a lot of top balls for uh, you know. They're real, they're real, they're real strong looking, but uh, no, them hands getting like, kind of slippery. Yeah, and it was like it was just. It was cool. It was cool, and but everyone was friendly, and they were like, "Yeah, I just found like a lot of them are transfer athletes, nice. you know." Yep. So Makes they're sense. learning the game for the first time. But because it was just about ethic. that time, like this was what 2015, 2014, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it was like right at that time where everybody is like now getting on that hyper excited range where the Olympics is about to kick in, yep. and they're like, "All right, we got to find all the athletes, like right. find all the speediest and." best athletes and right. what can we do to be able to transition them yeah and it's and it's year one two after the cycle right and right. at year one if you're the national team coach it's kind of like your year to just do what you want right because you, you don't you reset you right. yeah you know so um yeah huge opportunities nervous as hell and when uh we're at the tryout you know and steinberg's like you know would you be available for a tour and i was like Sure. <laughs> like what? And he's like, but I need you to prop, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh wow. Um, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, when did you normally play? Whenever you were playing, I was eight man, I was twelve. Nice. Um, you said you, you let that freedom. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I get it because I, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, looking around, I was like, who else is gonna prop? Because you know. I was one of the bigger ones at camps, mm. you know, whereas I'm more medium at camps. Um, so it was, it was like a lot of changes, but exciting because yeah. I love new stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, and I love the challenge of going, okay, how is this going to work? You know, um, where am I needed? And, you know, what do I need to do to make sure that I can, I'm pulling my weight, right? right. So, yeah, first tour. Three games, right? England, Canada, New Zealand. I played maybe seven minutes the whole tour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was a rookie, right? Under Sarah Shabbat, who was a legend. Hope Rogers, Katie Benson. like, um, And they're teaching me poor girls. Like, you know, they hardly ever get time to get together either. And that was my first impression coming in. I was like, well, don't you need the reps? Because if you're only seeing each other four times a year. Like, how are you going to be able to right. be in sync with everybody? But they're all trying to teach us, like, the newbies coming through. And, again, like, 
you know, the coach is able, there's that one year where they're able to sort of try and mould and test people. So, um, yeah, couldn't move my neck even though I only played for like <laughs> nine minutes. I started my, it was my first day at work at, at Lendlease, which is a company I work for in New Zealand, and I'm like, this is my first day. And they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I play rugby. They're like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's a badass, yeah. but, yo, she could be injured. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and actually, that same office, when I went away to the World Cup, and I came back, and people on the elevator like looking at me and like saying hi, and it was my first day back after yeah. the, after the World Cup, and I was like, he never says hi to me, you know? And it was like corporate one end, because we're down at the other end, and like uh, I work at Grand Central Station, right? So right. we were on the ninth floor. So um, and it was the head office, so we had our you know our legal side, um, HR was at one end. So and you don't often cross paths, but everyone knew who I was. <laughs> And I came back, and my boss, who had never knew known anything about rugby, showed every game. Wow! In the lunchroom, um, in the social hub. Yeah. Yeah. So you—they're just like watching in awe as you're just performing. And 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 I know. This was 2017. So like, you're not only is it like having that ability to to show it, but you guys were dominating during that time too. So that just increased. They're just like, oh my. I wonder if they they had that if it was that feeling like oh is that what she's been doing yeah <laughs> and and what's funny is and I didn't notice this they're like you're really soft spoken in person and you're nice <laughs> and you're like always smiling and they're like when we saw you on the TV everyone's like yo don't mess with her and I was like I had no idea <laughs> I feel like this is this is the the contextualization of the Polynesian right there. Like, in, in, in perfect transit. It is soft-spoken, super dumb, crazy kind, just just the most loving ever, and then you go on the field, terrifying. Nah, man. Terrifying. And you're just like, how are these the same people? Yeah, yeah and, and you forget that, right? Because we're just so used to switching. Right. You know? Um, but it's such a... It, it, it's, 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 it's so dualistic, but at the same time, it's like... Yo, it, it intertwine creates such a roundness yeah. of of each of everybody in this and that. Yeah. So it was uh, coming off that that World Cup was very so good. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, and and it was more like seeing the rugby community come alive for the women, you know, so showing up and I was like, Ireland did a great job. At the airport, women's world cup. Just like showing everywhere. Nice. It was so good. Um <clears throat> And, that, and it was nice for just the world to see it, but also a lot of our players who don't experience it, because I'm used to that in New Zealand, right? right? So a lot of our players who've never been in a, in a country or just in an environment where rugby's just normal, right. you know? And for them to see that, I was like, yeah, this is what we're working towards. Facts. You know? You know, I, I have to say, because I remember, because it was between 2016 Olympics and 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup, it was, I felt like, was finally the best showcase that the women had ever had uh, up to that point. Because I remember, like, I didn't, like, starting, I, you know, I, I didn't start doing any rugby media until about 2013. And so my expansion of rugby was kind of just, like, what we're playing. And then you see the girls play, and it's, like, cool, whatever. Um, but it was neither, it was just neither here nor there. It's just I, you only get to see so much. 
So then whenever I started actually covering, and they used to do the Atlanta 7s uh, back 2014, 2015. And I was like finally able to get the coverage for it. I was able to go and cover, and I'd be like the only person there to be able to cover that literally out of, no, basically one or two people would just cover the women's Atlanta 7s. And I'd watch it, I'm like, yo, this is, they're so good, everyone's so fast, the game is so fluid, and you just get to see a different level, and it's accessible, and it was like, even for me, it was like the first time I got to know who would end up ultimately being some of these star players to, to this day, so it was like meeting Emily Scarrett, and even whenever I, I interviewed Portia Woodman for the first time, I didn't even really know who Portia was, I actually thought, I thought she was actually somebody else. And I just saw she was like the high score, and I was just like, all right, yeah, let me just add it in and then talk to her to then it just put it all together. And then you just see where everybody got to be. And uh, like uh, Fanny Hoda from France, and uh, you know, all the and so like 2014 and 2015, I was like, yo, I this I don't understand why nobody's coming out here talking about this. Like, this right. was genuinely entertaining and the games are great and every the games are fluid it's not messy everybody's going hard and so whenever 2016 2017 came across it was like okay for the olympics i again was stuck the women's side actually ended up being more entertaining for me than the guys side mm. because i and, and i do have a theory with it where i feel like when it comes to women's rugby because there's literally a limit on really well covered and really open and inexpensive quote quote um, contact sports for women outside of rugby ice hockey uh, and fighting sports MMA boxing mm-hmm. right I mean I know and I know there's like women's professional football and stuff but I, I don't think they can ever get the right amount of hype I, it's not possible with the NFL in existence mm-hmm. it's just I don't see it being a, a thing that can match up. But rugby has, out of even those three, uh, fighting sports, hockey, uh, ice hockey specifically, and uh, uh, rugby, of those three, rugby is the only one that maintains a consistent rule across the Mm. genders. So whenever you bring in the women, everybody, because there's so few options, you get the best athletes. You get the hungriest person. Like, whenever you're coming into it, you're going to be hungrier to be able to Form because you're doing something that you're not typically able to do. So you get the best and the brightest of the sport, you know. And so when you, then whenever you come to play, not only do you have the best and brightest, you have the hungriest, you don't get the attention, so you're already going to be out there trying to prove, yo, we're dope. Yo, you need to check us out. And you're putting it every time. So hence you get the best product for the game. And hence it becomes a more entertaining product because you don't feel like there's anything lacking. Whereas I think when it comes to the men's side, I still don't feel like I get the best in best in sport in in men's rugby, mm. and I think it ends up hurting the game because it it adds it, it takes away from it being like I guess maybe fair not even fair like competitive across the board. I don't feel like the best of New Zealand is going against necessarily the best of the U.S. And it's not to say that nobody's doing their doing their best, mm. but it's just from a talent, a skill level, everything, because the money's not there for it like that, yeah. because, you know, people are still learning it, you don't get the best and brightest, so every game feels like there's always a little bit of an asterisk to it, mm. it's like, oh, you're the best because you've just been doing this longer, 
it plays a little bit, but it's like, at what point does doing it longer and then your skills kind of come to some kind of even ground? And so, like, in 2016 Olympics came, you got the most entertaining, even though I think the camera people were hella sexist. Oh, my God. They, I've never seen so many purposeful butt shots in my life. It was so many of them. I was like, yo, you guys aren't even trying anymore. I know. I was like, especially when Australia were playing, I was like, why exactly. are they always on their shorts? On the shorts. Every single time. Every single I remember me even making a video on like, yo, this is all butt shots. This <laughs> And so then, but the 2017 Rugby World Cup, I think, was the best production that was done. Because like you said, it was, if the 26, it was getting the athletes that were part of the Olympics, mm. and you brought them in. So now you had something to recognize against, and I feel like Australia was able to build up from there, U.S. was able to build up from there, um, and a few other teams, uh, Canada and etc. Mm. You see them also now playing the Women's Rugby World Cup mm. the next year. Now, and then the way that they were doing the games, you they're providing us real stats, yep. you're getting regular names, you are getting stardom with proof. You're getting data with the eye test as well. Right. And so now it all brings it together. So it's like now I can connect to these people. I can name people off the top of my head. Mm. I can actually follow what's happening from a point. And now, like, each game feels like there's meaning behind it. Yo, we're coming down to the final four. Who's it going to be? It's going to be France, and it's going to be uh, Australia. It's going to be England. It's going to be the U.S. And it's just going to be New Zealand. you got these perfect rivalries and these tough games. And Everybody hit so hard oh, man. in that game. Everyone is a, from the field level. Like, what was it for you guys? Because from the spectator, I was just like, "Yo, this is amazing." I mean, we for our, you know, in our camp, the language was always, "We're going to be the fastest. We're going to be the fittest." Right. right. Because you know, we needed to admit to ourselves that in terms of the skill and experience, we were still, you know, pretty raw compared to the other teams. Right. right? Individually. Right. Um. But we know that rugby is beautiful like that. It's just the team that goes the hardest for the eighty for those eighty minutes, Thanks. right? Um, but uh, like to your point, <clears throat> bringing those sevens players over definitely just changed the game for us. In the camp, like I'll be honest, there was like there were some dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. Because you imagine being a player that's going for that wing fullback position and you've invested three years, right? Of course. And then on the last year before, you hear that you they're bringing the those up. seven skills over. So you knew that now your chances are like, mm -hmm. you know, so as a as a teammate, we we had to acknowledge that. So that's something that we had to build around. It's an around. adjustment period. Yeah, but you're right. Like, uh, watching the games back, because when you're in it, it's like you're so <laughs> focused. You, you, you don't get a chance to really sit back. It was like, I couldn't have... I couldn't be prouder of the women and the display, you know, that we put on for rugby. Right. Um, especially with the spectators. But I do think a lot of it was down to Ireland and the hype and the support yeah. we felt, you know. Um, I think for us especially, coming in was interesting talking to, you know, I'm really good friends with, especially the New Zealand captain. And, and what they said about the US, and this is funny, it's like, we were they were most nervous playing with us because it's like you know the French style, you right. know the Ireland style, 
But in the What's US, this US they're, like, they're just like, you just gotta watch everything. <laughs> you know, like they can come, we, we can be physical, but right. we also have the speed, you know. So it was on us to try and get the right rhythm because we knew that we could be threatening in all areas. Exactly. Right? But it was a matter of, uh, you know, making those right decisions at the right time. And, and that's something that we're getting there, right? And, right. That, and that comes down to IQ. Which, you know, when when we come back home, it's like, how do we build that, you know, so that... And it develops that actual regional style yes. that you guys can fall, be able to fit the system in properly. Exactly. And, and then to, like, get ourselves in a position where we could play, like, a, a game profile that's adaptable to our opposition, you know, like a real specific. Right. Because what was interesting, like, New Zealand, where they're at is they, they studied us, they knew that Cheddar had a mean boot, right? Yep. Every other opposition, we were able to make those yards and pin them down there, but New Zealand put two down there. So now that take that option away, you mm-hmm. know? And I wish I, we were at a position where we could go, okay, well, what are, what's our opposition's weakness? And right. what can we play? But we were still like, no, this is our shape. Stick to our shape. Trust in the process. Look, learn what we, 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 what we, what have. we have and yeah. just smash through. Yeah. But uh, our coaches, you know, the, their plan at the time was like, let's just lay this foundation, use this World Cup to, you know, get that experience. But mm-hmm. the goal was always that the majority of that group, because they were still quite young, were yeah. going to go into this next World Cup. Right. You know, but now there's new coaches. So, you know, there's a whole new cycle. Um, that, that was the mindset of a. That of makes perfect training. sense. And I, I, you could see it because I know. It, for most of the games, you guys just wipe through, and I, I know the only one that I always kept saying was just that New Zealand opposition. It was just that tough New Zealand opposition. It was just just constantly having that number at the last second in some yeah. way. But that goes again. It, it it is where experience and and knowing. And when you say like you're setting a foundation, well, you set a hell of a foundation at, at that point. Because even think about it. Even with a team like Canada, uh, uh, with UK, UK had been establishing theirs for almost four, five, six years at that point, and literally went professional, like, right, what, right before the Women's Rugby Women's World Cup? Yeah. So, it's like, you you have something already there, so it makes sense what was going on. Oh, yeah, and to that point, the politics behind it, right, you see New Zealand versus England in the final, and you're like, me, I'm like, you kind of want England to win, because they had the professional outfit. And it sets and up the, the trend argument. for that, yeah. yeah. But then New Zealand won, and they weren't professional, and it's like... <laughs> it's like, we're condoning not having to be professional, but it's like, yo, but they also have the grit, and they did it with less money, yeah. and you're like, you're just like, ah! Yeah. I remember even, I remember even, I actually had that thought, that exact thought, too, when I was watching it, because I was like... Yo, there's a dynamic here that you're you're pressing where it's like you want to see the next level change over. And so you need a proof positive, you know. And at the same time, you also want to see, again, the most entertaining. And you had, like, New Zealand women just wiping through everybody. Just wiping through it. Right. You know, and then you had UK where they were just, they were doing great. But they have, like, the change possibly of it. And thankfully, by the, you know. It ended up being helping out that I think eventually you started to see a little bit more rollover the next mm. couple of years of prof- a little bit more professional teams. Like Australia was like the next one to be able to get like a slight professional in the sevens. Oh no, yeah, you're yeah, right. In, 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 get a little slight professional, uh, not not league, but getting paid more full time than not. Yes, well, and they've actually put in a place where they've. Uh, 
put in like a women's version of NRL, right? You know, Super Rugby. So yeah, Australia have done a huge shift, like with the domestic game. Exactly. Right? So and I'm excited to see how that would you know pan out and what the outcome will be for them um, for the World Cup. So it, it it did still have an impact, even if it wasn't the winners. Yes. But it was like it was still a great game. Oh yeah. You know. So, like, you, you have that, and you're just like, okay, you can see the change. And I, I think, basically, you've seen it, like, since that time. I feel like the women's game, literally since 27, the women's game has at least been allowed to get more attention. There's been more willingness to be able to bring attention. Not the extent that it might, that it should get, mm. but at least there's arguments that are now being presented oh, that yeah. say, like, yo, like, okay, let's, let's really actually invest in this. For once. Yeah, I mean, they just extended the number of women's teams. Right, to 16, 16 yeah, right. 2025. So there, there's there's movements there. It's it's definitely going in the positive direction, you know, but it's just, it's taken a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the nature of things? Right. You know, but I, I, I do wonder, and, you know, I, I remember I was talking, I was actually talking uh, with, uh, it was a few weeks ago with, her name is Anne Unwusery. Uh, she runs uh, this podcast, Black Girls Rock, uh, based out of the UK. And her, she, I was asking her about what it was with the women's game, specifically on, on how they've been developing it in the UK. Because again, if RFU is considered the richest rugby union in the world, you would also assume that there's a certain level of progressive, certain level of progression that goes along with them. And she was even mentioning like. Yeah, you know, it's it's been slow, but they've been a little bit more active in trying to do it. They, there was one program called, like, Get Her Boot On or Put The Boot On or something like that, um, where you, uh, what do you call it, where they are actively trying to get women in more elite academies or something to that effect, or make it part of the physical education concept, but it's just a, a, another method of genuinely trying to draw more women from different arenas mm. to actually press it, but it's still not that much different than what we have here in the U.S. or, right. you know, what you're developing across, and it's always interesting because it is the place where rugby is founded. You think you have more experience, so there's more time, but you know, that rangingness, it's its wrist, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a weird... It's an interesting dynamic, I guess. Yeah. I always think it's... And that's the beauty of America, I guess. It's, you know, rugby. When we gave... As our preparation to the World Cup, it was uh, USA Rugby finally acknowledged and got taxed together for the 91 team. Right. right? So I had the honor of presenting that to this group. Oh, that's awesome. In D.C. before... Just, like, literally we were all there and our flights were to Ireland, like, a couple of days after that. And, like, um, so some of us were being educated at the same time. going, wait, they never got their caps, you know? Because it wasn't, remember, it took a yeah. while for them to acknowledge that exactly. it was even a World Cup. It wasn't until, like, what, like, 2001, yeah. 2002, something like that. And, you know, and all that stuff's on social media. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it wasn't until, like, months later where I noticed the Black Ferns, New Zealand rugby, acknowledge Black Ferns. Yeah. But, again, like... New Zealand's ahead in the men's game. England are ahead, but why? But over here, things move, yeah. you know. And that's why it's, I love it because it's like uh, I don't know what the culture is, but the culture is a bit more encouraged here to speak up, right? You know. So 
once something's here and we see the dynamics of the disparity, it's like we're more encouraged to speak up here than we are in New Zealand or in England. And um, I remember someone saying that, well, the culture must be good there. New Zealand rugby must support the women. That's why they're doing very well. And it's like, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) They've won more World Cups, you know. Um, And the men are just, yeah, they're the unsung heroes, was the saying growing up. Oh, and, and, and like I said, it, it's it's really interesting how culture plays into that, and it kind of kind of goes into the the next thing I want to ask you is obviously then it became your interaction with Roots, you know, and and you're getting involved with now moving from the the playing side going into the coaching and now cultural coaching, let's call it, you know. Mm. So for you, like, what was what was how's that pro how was that process for you because. Obviously, a lot of people would think that naturally, if you're a good player, it means that you're a good coach. But I think history has always told us, eh, these two don't necessarily always, always go. <laughs> so for you, what kind of inspired that kind of movement? Uh, to Roots? <clears throat> well, or first to coaching. to coaching, and then how it impacted into Roots. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always felt like I enjoyed helping people, right? right? And... In my work, like, I was always in a leadership role, so I'm very used to training people, you know, coming into work or um, managing a team. Um, but when I was playing, I, a lot of my last season, especially in New York, I noticed that I was more about making the people around me look good. Yeah, right. And I wanted them to look good. And there were moments where I'd watch a video, and I'd get told off by Pete Steinberg, going, oh, you should have ran harder here, why'd you pass the ball? But in my mind at the time, I was like, I want this player who's worked so hard to support me to know that, to be rewarded, because right. I need that behavior to be... Like, that was my mind, and I was like... You're, you're being altruistic. It was like, yo, I want you, I want you to be better around me, so here, let me give you an opportunity yeah. to feel that feeling, even if I could take it, but what's the purpose? I, you know. Right, so... And, so, um, and if you look at my stats, it's like... I sometimes watch my games, I'm like, oh man, I should have probably gone a bit harder there, or, you know, but in my mind, I was always more about the people around me and not right. my own performance. I didn't want to underperform, but it also meant that there were definitely moments where I should have uh, taken the, the contact, so... Yeah. That, um, that rugby humility kicking all the way. <laughs> man, it only works so far, man. Like, it only works in some areas. But um, I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I loved the game. I knew I was passionate about the game, and what... And I also realize that these a lot of players in the US love the game and there's not enough coaches, mm-hmm. not enough good coaches right. who wanna just um, who just wanna show rugby, right? There's a, a lot of coaches that wanna win and they wanna win with their particular teams, but I just want everyone to play rugby and I want everyone to be good at it. <laughs> or like to to have enough tools so they can feel confident right. doing it, right? Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> It meant that I was definitely rushing through my last season. That's probably my biggest regret, right? James, like, stop rushing it. Like, which coach? How many, like, I was almost like, he he had to sit me down and go, Tip, enjoy your last season, you know, like. You, you, you never, you might not ever be in that position again. Yeah. The, so the, the um, grass is not grass is greener on the other side. It's I guess just looking too far ahead. He was like, and, and I appreciated that because because mm. even now it's like oh, I'm not I'm not injured. You know, a lot mm. of I know a lot of. Our, my mates are retired because they just they played till they couldn't play anymore. Right, and I understand that. Of course, you, you, know, you it's go down swinging kind of. Situation. Yeah, um, and I'm 
not that's not my case at all. No. I was I was healthy, you know. It was a very conscious decision to get behind the scenes and see what I can do to just yeah grow the game a bit more. Um, and then it, I knew I wanted to help out New York. I knew I wanted to coach women, right, the youth group. Um, but an opportunity came up for NYC a lot sooner <laughs> than I wanted, you know. But it meant that I could coach assistant coach with James English, nice. you know, while he was still head coach during the spring. Um, and it's always meant that my head go, oh, don't be those players that can't coach. Like, <laughs> yo, you know what's funny? I, I, I put that to, it's something about like you watch it and there's the trope that's on like TV and you hear the documentaries and in your mind you're like, look, I, it's like, I don't know how anybody can be that way. And then in your mind you're like, I don't want to be this, yo, don't let me be the example. <laughs> but I, yeah, and it's, it's nerve wracking too because... And then coming back to your club where you were just playing with these women, you mm. know, and, and I'm real big on, not hierarchy, but chain of command. I'm real right. big on respecting roles. Right. So I was like too extremely, I was like, I'm not going out with anyone for a drink. Like, <laughs> they're like, separating yourself up. Like, look, that was Tiff the player, all right? He's Tiff the coach, all right? Player, coach. <laughs> player, co- coach. And everyone's like, can you just chill out? And I was like, oh my, like, just in my mind about it, I don't want to show favoritism, who I going to sit with. Like, because I've been the player, that trust is so key for us. Right. To trust that your coaches are doing their best to, because you can't be equal. Uh, right. Right? But be fair. Right. Right? And I, I It's kind of equitable, not equal. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of, uh, coaches don't know like, and I've spoke to some coaches who from a perception is they have favorites but I talked to them okay that makes sense I was like well you know like your body language or your behavior you know like it messes with players exactly. and that was way fresh in my mind so coming it was like my main priority was to to earn the players trust right and from, as a coach <laughs> they trust me as a player they knew I had integrity but I I think as a coach sometimes you have to be intentional because you probably will have your favorites. You know the ones who will get the job done, right. right? You know the ones who can get you closer to that desired outcome. You know if you if that's what implement you, if you just set it up the the way that it needs to be. Yeah, but um, I also understand what it means to create depth and it, what it means for community. And when you're at club level, not everyone's there to win. Not everyone's there to be an eagle. Right. You know, some people are there because of the social side. And you need those numbers. So it was, yeah, navigating those was like, whoa. Um, yeah, it was a challenge with it itself. But a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the character. It goes into, like, not just in learning character coaching, but it's in your own character and getting to know even yourself and being able to see, like, yo, my perspectives and how much more range everything can be from there. Yeah, yeah. And I... I watch some of, I go on the rugby site and I sometimes watch videos by like, you know, like the Richie McCaws and Cameron Smith and, and they're still playing at the day right. at the time and I'm like, okay, so it's normal to like be a little bit awkward because I felt, because you, you compared to the other videos by coaches that have been coaching for a while, right. you can tell, they, they, they know that the, the rugby is the sport but you're teaching people, right? right? Uh, also, you're teaching the sport, but you're coaching humans. Right. And and it was refreshing or uh, a nice confirmation to see that that transition is normal. <laughs> <laughs> it is awkward for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nobody gets this right. <laughs> and 
you like, naturally. And I, I, don't, I haven't shared this with some of the girls in New York, but I remember like while I'm trying to describe something, like seeing some of their faces, and it just really shows the respect. And I came away thinking, man, I am so lucky Yo. to to have that respect from these players to let me to just hang there and 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 search deep past <laughs> past the awkwardness and take the content. You know, like facts. You can't. You can't get. You can't. Um, create those things overnight. Like, right. You know, it's, it's that worked muscle yeah. that just keeps having to, you just develop and grow, and it hurts through the process, but you get to that other side where you're like, wait, hold up. <laughs> People understand what I'm saying? Like, wait, wait, when did this happen? <laughs> just grateful too, like, and, and this is where, you know, I'm real big on, you know, like, be. Be intentional now because it's going to help you later. Right. You know, not for that reason, but like every day, just like be a good teammate because that's where I'm the most grateful is I've earned it with these women, like these players that are in front of me enough that they were like, okay, we know you're learning. <laughs> we know, okay, we're you giving you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, <laughs> we're giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember what we did before. It's okay. We're, we're good. I know you're in a good place. Intent, yeah, like you said, intention is everything. Oh, man. Intention is everything. I even think, I, I always talk about it even like, um, you know, if we talk in terms of like a politics or some leader of sort, like my determination on who a person is becomes a little less on just what they're their their active policy or action is because there's so many con- so many things that go into play into mm-hmm. a decision being made but it's like look not maybe not so much of the can I have a beer with that kind of person but it's like yo if this person seems like they're they're genuinely wanting to help mm-hmm. and even if they're making bad decisions you're just like Look, I know what you want to do. Right. This might not be the best way about going about <laughs> it, but at least I know your intention was to do that. It, it, it does allow you to have a little bit more ease with with where the errors are and a little bit less harsh mm. attack versus like as long as they're also willing to learn. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But if you if if it's just like you know a person who's like, oh, I got this. And then, on top of that, they're making mistakes, and then you're like, yo, I'm about to fuck this dude up. Like, right now, like uh, I don't know what you guys are trying to do right now, yeah. but, oh, he's press, they're pressing the line. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously with Roots, uh, you know, and Tia Kyle, where sort of we started having conversations, and I don't know if I ever said the words. I think I just jumped in there and got involved. <laughs> um, you know, and just then. Insert yourself inside. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Like, yes, please, we need more representation and we need more people focusing, you know, on players of colour and and making the game more accessible. And it's, we're all sitting there, we don't all have the answers, but, you know, that's our passion. It's like, how do we create these opportunities? Um, And so the founders, they they came with the acronym and then I saw them go on tour to Vegas and then I saw them come to New York. And it wasn't until year two where Tia's like, oh, we'd love to have you involved. And, oh, yes, that's, that's when it happened. She asked me to come coach in the summer for the mm-hmm. women's team. Um, and there are, there are definitely some players, some of my mates that were like, but it's not very inclusive, Tiff. Like, are you sure you want to be involved? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think we can have this conversation. <laughs> um, Look, ah. Well, so for you, but th- that's actually a really interesting Actually, concept like 
you know, obviously you're not black, but you are a person of color, and not just a person of color, you're Polynesian, yes. which, I mean, for whatever it's worth, even if it, you take some level of an Asiatic side or not, like, there's an African mix that goes along. I've, enough Samoan people have darkness and dark skin, yeah. where it's like, there is definitely a clear mixture that, that occurs, that, that you do, I think there is whatever in BC era, whenever everybody went into their different ways, like, mm. it just traversed over there. So, like, when you get, when you were working with Roots and you have probably white people who are, like, saying, like, hey, like, they're, they seem to be very key in just having black people. Like, for you, what was, what was your thought process in going through that and just the involvement or yeah. how you reacted yeah, I mean, initially I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, you know, because there's always a part of us that's like, we never want anyone to feel left out. Right. Even if it means to our detriment, right. you know. Um, but I think I had to believe in this cause. And I was like, this is necessary, mm-hmm. you know, and we hope it's temporary, you know, that we're having to just make this statement to plant the seed, to start a conversation, and then not Roots going and fixing all the things, but Roots just starting that conversation so everyone else can, can start looking at, into their own little hearts and going, how can we, you know, are we diverse? Right. So, so in that, for that aspect, I was like, yes, I am very keen to come on board. And also because I am Polynesian, and even though we are well represented, you know, um, in the All Blacks, you know, uh, there's still moments of racism in, in New Zealand that's mm. allowed and shouldn't be. And it, it's part of the culture. Mm. Um, but it's it looks different, right? Right. You're talking about the... the, the <clears throat> I think there was, a, there was a perfect moment that I think I... I, I that resonated with me. And it's not necessarily Polynesian, but I think it's when it comes to dynamic of look. And I remember uh, this guy on this documentary, uh, the, a rugby story, I was talking about it, and he said something to the effect of the English, and this was for South South Africa. He was like the English and the box. So the I guess the Dutch people. He was like when they wore it. He was like that was the most extreme version of racism that I had ever seen. And I was and, and you just look and, and I, I guess to go yes in South Africa the two but that's why I go like it looks different in terms of like there is a. Uh, maybe I would assume a a different level of an acceptance yes. where the the salty is you know your place as opposed to stay in your place it's you know your place yes why 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 are you trying to move into this area and that kind of aspect is it similar yeah. to how that is totally and and I know that if if uh, New Zealand had the same structure in the US there'd be mm-hmm. less Islanders playing the national team. So, because there's no college rugby, there's no university rugby, right? And rugby's played after high school, you can play club. Right. So, it's way more accessible. But I think that if I put Polynesians, like, in, our, in their shoes here, mm-hmm. we'd be the exact same. Like, still limited in yes. and unable, yeah. You know, like, you have to, rugby is still very much, you have to go to college, a good college, right. if you want to get ahead, right? Right. Um, so, that, and then, obviously, T is half Samoan, right. half black, so... And those two are just such good humans, right. you know. Anything, I trust them. I trust them. I, I believe that 
um, I can't do no wrong helping a cause like this. Right. Like, there's what what, what bad what, can what, come of it, <laughs> right? Like, it's other true. than we get to share, I get to share my knowledge with players who, if I only spent time at camps and clinics, and you know, in the path of the USA, I may never have gotten to work with some of the athletes that I work with now. Right. And these are the athletes that sport would make the biggest impact. Exactly. You know, um, and just level things up. I need things to be leveled <laughs> um, That's no. all. Just given that equal, you know, opportunity, and um, does someone speak on on our behalf more? Right. Yeah. And I think that makes perfect sense because I think, not even I think you know it. Like the accessibility is what makes these things grow. And whenever you put too many barriers in it, it, it does become it does become it filters out what you can have the best of because the best might not necessarily have the affordability to it whereas in and and especially if you're trying to promote this and and one thing that's always promoted especially when you're trying to promote the sport as just being like oh all you need is a mouth guard and some cleats and then you can go but like you can only go so far and you can't even be seen because you have all these factors that are still not involved or you have to pay to be able to get access to them so it's like, how how do you, not even just grow the sport, how do you evolve? Like, how do you actually develop into something that is more than just what it started out with, you know? Mm. And so you have to have, like, it's, I love how you say it. It's like, you, it opens up these conversations because these are conversations that needed to be had to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> But like when it came, so whenever you were, so you, you, you enter into this and you start working in with Roots and then for you, like what, what has been, what has been your, your, what have you learned from, from it so far? So my first tour with Roots at League, the Jersey ceremony, the common theme was like a lot of the players that went up were a, they were grateful to just be in a team where they just felt included without having to say a word. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and then I learned that weekend that some of these players were always pushed to the wing, which I didn't know happened, mm-hmm. you know, um, just because of the way they looked. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what was funny is the next day at the tournament, at the league tournament, one of the teams went to forfeit, uh, but they said they needed players, so then they took three of our players. I think I told you this before. Mm-hmm. Oh, three of our players, and at the, I think it was either halftime or the, the, the circle, the coach is like, hey, get the ball to the fast players. And like, just point <laughs> the it. The black players. <laughs> point it. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and what's worse is, nice guy. Yeah. Best intention. Right. Coaches, because he loves the game and he wants it to grow, unaware of how he's just made complete stereotype of this feel yeah you know and now i'm like whoa okay he's not a bad guy you know and you're but you're like why it's 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 that it's the ingrained nature of it it's not purposeful but it's inherent yes yeah yeah so that blew my mind and i was like oh no (laughs) so um i I'm really big on skills. It's one of my favorite things. I'd like to be a coach that, that's known for fundamentals, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's a piece that's that's missing in our game here because um, they're learning it too late, a lot of the players, you know, picking it up at college. Right. So my goal for Roots is 
skills, skills, skills and challenge them in ways. And, and I've heard too many coaches tell them, yo, you're athletic, you're fast, you're strong, you're great. Like you're right. Yeah. And I just want to change the narrative and get in front of as many players as possible and just change that and go, no, these are what's going to make you a good rugby player. Right. Right. And think about if you were to go to Ireland tomorrow and they asked you to do a 2-3 switch, do you know what they're talking about? Because that's actually universal rugby language, right. you know. So that's where I'm coming from, and I I wanted to I want to specifically work with this group. I know, and I, you know what? I love that, and it makes all the sense. Like even for me, whenever I started the HBCU rugby classic, you know, obviously there was the impetus of trying to be able to promote more HBCUs, but it was also to say like, hey, look, you know, there's different levels of opportunity in how the players are done. But one thing that I always had noticed was, you know, it was that narrative of like, oh, if rugby gets these black players, the athleticism is going to just like kick up, which is nice. And it sounds great. And um, there might be truth in it. But it was like, yo, I hope you're not just reducing it to just the fact that the athleticism goes up. It's like, well, yeah, it does. But you also can't take on a cultural dynamic. You also are taking on the minds and the souls of these people and mm. so like a lot of times whenever people would ask me about like HBCUs and they're like oh man like you're doing the HBCU seeing all these black players they're gonna do and I'm, I, I'd have to kind of like kind of side eye a little bit and I'm just like we're, and we're gonna try and you know rearrange this for opportunity yeah. And, yeah. And, and that there is to be able to showcase what the sport can do because it's like, yo, look, you got to recognize that this isn't just a, one of the dynamics that needs to be had mm. with it isn't just you get to have all of a sudden speed or whatever it is, or even reduce them to just being speed because then you just say, oh, you're black, why aren't you fast? And right. it's like, no, you're getting a different roundness. The purpose is that your representation increases, not just for the sake of diversity, but it also gives you a better look at what the country has to offer and actually maximizes every aspect and that including off the field which right. was the other part where it was like in the industry how do you create the rugby industry too and they have to be included in this as media as planners as coaches as refs mm. and just be able to double down this effort yeah no um i mean i think that's what's happening right now is there's a lot of like you know black athletes that being taught that or told that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you imagine being a coach, and that's all you're seeing, right? And then it just be you just don't you don't think of it. It's no. just like this is the natural. It's, you're it's like, okay, here's another black. Oh, yeah. he's probably going to be on the wing. Oh, he's probably just going to run straight, right? right. Um, and that's where that's my issue is we're not doing actually across the board a lot of a lot of even when I was doing part of the selection or the uh, we were going around trying to talent ID, right? Mm -hmm. And even the players that are put forward from the college and the high school coaches are all put forward for the same reasons that they're fast and they're strong. Right. But we would put them through some basic skills and they just they didn't know to read to react, you right. know? Um, and they were just there because they scored a lot of tries. Right. So just so and then the reason why I go to Roots more is because I look at the I look at the two players like, well they're in a very good college program. Right. They're gonna get the skills. I'm gonna back up this one here. Right. Who doesn't? You know, and it's only at this course because it's close to their home 
if we were in Colorado, we asked everyone to come, this player would be able to come. This, this player, player wouldn't, right. And it's those players that I'm looking for or that I want to, you know, help out. Because whatever opportunity they get, you know, maximize we want to make sure, yeah, we want to make sure that they prepare. Oh, I think that's real. I think that's really real. You know, and, and obviously, like I said, it, it resonates. These are the things that set up the, uh, uh, that set up what the, that the generation's coming forth. It has to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, one more and then start wrapping it up in terms of this and then, you know, whatever afterwards. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you obviously, over the last two years, and part of how we ended up meeting was because of the recognition you started getting as a coach and becoming a little bit more attention to it, whether it was with Rooney and becoming that first professional women's coach or in rugby and all Another that. Another conversation starter. Right. <laughs> you know, just you know, You know, and and just being that, like, and obviously your resume, like, for you, how has it been that you feel becoming more responsible as a representation Mm. of a progressive movement as opposed to just being able to say a former player who coaches or being just another person who is... Who used to play? Yeah, like you're you're you were in ESPN, Fox Sports. I mean, you took the full gamut of the media round round. So for you personally, coming from humble beginnings in New Zealand, and then you know just getting to enjoy the familial fashion of of the U.S. rugby community. Like, what does it feel like now as you continue to get elevated mm. in terms of uh, platform? Uh, I mean, it's. A combination of yes, you know, we're breaking ceilings, but also freaking out, <laughs> you know, like, and I struggled with it the first year. Like, uh, I mean, a, I was trying to, you know, with Rooney, trying to figure out, like, get my, get my feet planted, you know, trying to figure out the actual operational side of it. But the big picture it was, um, it was surreal, mm. and it was. Like, wow, it's only happening now, it's 2019, you know, so I was going through all these uh, different motions, but I struggled with the imposter syndrome a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, which is something I I struggled with anyway, because, you know, being poly and uh, finding myself, and even as a player, you know, there wasn't many people that looked like me on the Eagles team, you know, so I always felt like, wow, why me, you know, and... So coaching the exact same thing is like why me? But I know I'm a competitive person and I'm a fast learner. And there was a time I was like, oh, I'm failing <laughs> with female coaches right now. And I was like, there's been female coaches for ages. <laughs> like this is just a technical piece where I happen to be doing for a professional league. Right. You know? So that's why I was in the limelight. So I understood how important that was and. I was getting excited that you started seeing more articles from other sports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm butchering this. Answer. No, you're not. You're doing oh. great. This <laughs> <It> is great. <laughs> it was nice seeing more articles of coaches from other sports. Yeah, who it was. Yeah, it was nice to see other sports start look reflecting on their, you know, who they have and are they diverse and bringing more more women through. Um, but I think for me and my career, it was, 
I was not satisfied mm-hmm. with how things went, you know. Um, and I respect the decisions, you know, and all the intentions were there. It's just we, yeah, we there was there wasn't much follow through. Yeah, you know, and did it feel a little tokenism? It felt like tokenism. Yeah. But where I and this is you know me also just giving the benefit of the doubt, right. right? And knowing that no one intentionally wants to throw anyone under the bus. Right. Right? Or no one intentionally wants you to fail. Right. Right? So it was like just these really well intended and just blew up. It was went way bigger than any of us anticipated, mm-hmm. you know? Um but the yeah, it was just really unfortunate that there was no follow through plan. It wasn't a really well thought out process. Right? right? Like I couldn't commit full time, so I wasn't traveling with the team, and I didn't like that, right? So I was like, yeah, this is great, but I actually really want to be a good coach, and I want to learn off talks and keys, yeah. you know? And I know that the best way to learn is to travel with them, so I was a bit disappointed that um, I felt like the MLR knew that even though it was through Rooney, it was put in the MLR mm-hmm. in certain spaces, and I wanted some of them to see that this is something worth budgeting for. Right. A flight for me to go to these games. Right. You know, to give me the opportunity to learn firsthand. But it, none of that happened. Mm. So in the end, um, yeah, it felt more and more like capitalism. Mm. But we just, we can't ignore the progress. Like, right. what it still it means something, it right. There was, there's still a symbolic nature to it. Yes. But it should not be considered as the standard at, at that point. Right. Yeah. You know, and I was very lucky. The team we had, like the Rooney boys, were amazing. We were all in the same boat. They were all like, "Whoa, what's happening here?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, we're all, like we're all trying to navigate the waters because there was just news reporters wanting to just interview us all, all the, time, the time, right? You know, and someone like myself who I like, I I like depth, right? Mm. And it, it there were a couple. Where I was like, this feels very forced, right. you know, like. Um, yeah, but, uh, I could not, it's not a bad position to be in. Right. It's, 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 it's a nice, it's great attention. It's, it's, it's a celebrity effect. Like, it's nice to be appreciated. It doesn't feel, it it sucks if it doesn't feel like you are living up to it. But at the same time, like, you there's something that you can do with it. And, I mean, obviously, people were bringing you in for speaking oh gigs and stuff yeah. like that. Again, that's how we met over at the MICR, uh, you know, the banquet, you know, and just having that opera. That's what it is. I know you're going to edit this, but... I like the, the revelation that you had in that moment, so I might not edit it. You're going to delete it again, very, very <laughs> Actually, this has never been recorded. I was like, <laughs> Um... Yes, it it really, really allowed me to get in spaces I never would have. Yeah. Right? And it opened my eyes. I'm a big believer that things happen for a reason. Right. You know? And because of that, I had access to so many things. And because of those access, because of those networks, I'm able to uh, just have way more connections. And whatever, I know whatever I decide to do next, like at the moment it's Roots, I have the connections that I know will give me the support and the resources because of that. Nice. Right? So, 
Ah. It was so fun. <laughs> it was fun and, you know, for the coaching side of it, it was also very frustrating coming off the World Cup, knowing how hard it is for female athletes to even be the best in the world. Right. To this domestic league. Right. That is just, there's money there. There's, the pressure's not the same. And, and even like seeing some, and it just showed how, um, I just felt like some, compared to the women, some men take for granted right. what they have. They don't know. If they, if they knew what the women had to go through, I don't think they'd believe us. Right. You know? And, and that part there, like seeing what it could be like if someone just believed in the women's sport and supported it in the way that um, it would just, the game would just change dynamic because it goes back again like whenever when there's lack the hunger goes up and if you feed it a little bit you'd be surprised how much can be done with even just a little let alone just even matching yeah and like you said there's like i remember so emily heinrich she's she was the captain for the stars versus stripes game that happened she said she thought rugby was a women's game because she only ever saw her mum play it. Nice. But then her dad came and was like, yeah, he's going to go play too. And he's like, wait, I thought only mum. <laughs> but again, it's because, like you said, we're not competing with basketball and football, you know. And I do think the U.S. have a very, very... The women are much closer to winning a World Cup. Yeah, than the, the men, men are. Right? right. Um, but yeah, learning that side of things and just learning... Um, just where the bar is for the men's game was was really uh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it was very revealing to be able to know to see something to that effect, or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes that makes the most sense. It's funny when you speak on Emily Heinrich. I I literally had to look through some old footage when she was playing with Atlantis mm-hmm. way back in the day. I didn't realize that I had interviewed her. You're so good. It's, it's just random moments. Yeah, it's, your it's, archive's probably like all these badass women. You're maybe the you're maybe the key right now. Who else? What what's going on? The only I'm other like, person that would have been able to do it. I'm like, he's got the top ten women players in the world. You probably have an interview with all look, of them. Man, I I, I would try. Look, look, we take advantage of the accessibility and look if if, if we give it, like let's go, let's take advantage. So good. But you know, it's 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 ironic. It's just it's nice to see. The growth, but like you said, it's 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 good that we are seeing there's pooling that's occurring of, of trying to bring everything to a certain standard norm, but we still have so much to go, and I think that's where it comes into now it's intertwining the industry as well as the sports yes. into each other, and I yeah. think we're in especially in the U.S. I think we're such an early stage of the industry. I like and you know winding down, but you know, I even remember, again, whenever I first started, like, 2013, like, the fact that, and I'll give it credit, like, Laura Gill, who used to be the USA Rugby Media uh, Manager, like, she gave me an opportunity to go to a game. Like, they approved my media pass. I think I was only, made Gift Time Rugby maybe, like, five or six months prior to it, and it was like, yo, you opened it up. And that time. It's still not really a whole lot of Good people. Good for you, though. But it, I think it's the, that opportunity, and that's where it's like you start to see. It. That's when we had like guys like I think Curtis uh, with 
This Is American Rugby, and you had mm. Headley with the Rugby Life, and obviously Rugby Magazine and stuff like that. And you start to see it, but it was still very minuscule. And then now, you know, you've got, you know, myself, you got the Roots, even though it's not a media platform, but you guys are kind of creating into a media platform as well. Mm. You know, as much as a team, you have uh, obviously Goff and his setup, and Regardless of what people feel, like you had uh, Rugby Sevens magazine, and then oh, you know, I love how you're like, they got <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was <laughs> You got what it is, you know. It's even, even it's with COVID the did us all over. Look, man, it changed the game. It changed the game out here. <laughs> a lot, a lot was revealed. A lot lost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's starting to see these components, and even from the women's side, and I hope that we get to see even more, um, even from the commentary. Like, I love, like, Katie Wurst being able to commentate so much yeah. more. And, I had a meeting with her earlier today. Oh, awesome. Katie, Katie's my, that's, that's a homie right there, forever. She's one of the first people I even got to commentate with way back when, uh, and it's just like... She's done so she's, much. She is a legend in this. She's done this. so much. And these are this is why these are people that you have to keep make sure that they are memorialized because mm-hmm. they it's what changes it from just being oh the game that I love and I get to play on the weekend from time to time to oh wow this is a moving machine mm-hmm. that I get to have been get to be a part of in a unique way. Yeah. So you know for 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 those who want to get to know more or even ask advice like where can they find you at? On social media. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, here. <laughs> we're in the place. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not like, where, who are you trying to get to this address right now? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Tiffany underscore fire. I'm on Facebook. Just message me, man. Because, yeah, straight up. We all, especially during these times, I think it's highlighted how, how important it is that we all stay connected. But... Um. Yeah, please reach out. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I, yo, thank you again for allowing us not only to do the redo, but doing it in your house over Skip Bow that we didn't actually finish, but we still. <laughs> I think I'm leading though. <laughs> I have no idea. Are you? No. I don't think you can put any now. No, oh, you're man. right. You're winning. <laughs> There's no humility. <laughs> Oh, but you know, I, I can't wait to do it again uh, in the the near and obviously work doing the stuff that we do with Roots together. Yes. Alright, awesome. Yo, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. That was awesome. Tiff, thank you so much for coming through on the podcast. And guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. We got even more interviewed, more people, great people that we've had to talk to last week. We got to speak with Kiara Mack, the Rhode Island State Senator, newly elected. Get it right. All right. Uh, we also had uh, Anne Onwusery of Black Girls Ruck. Uh, come through on the podcast, spoke with Dr. Amelia Lucianu, had Gordon Hanlon coming through. Amelia is a World Rugby Sevens, a World Rugby ref, and uh, Gordon is a coach educator. We had, we've had Blaine Scully, we've had Phil Thiel, uh, we've had Farrah Douglas coming through, we've had Nia Tapper, uh, we've had James Brunton of North Philly Nomad, we've had uh, Rashad, um, of Prairie View A&M 
Yo, we have had a slew of guests that you guys want to go back and check out and learn more. And I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. But I hope you guys have a good one. And I hope you know that I hope you're healthy. I hope you're happy. And I hope you know that you're highly favored. Until next time, cheers.